Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Brianna. I'm Maharo. And I'm Demaya. And this is She Thinks She Knows podcast. Today on our podcast, we have Gary and Dave as guests. These are two very great guys with a lot of intellect and knowledge, and they're going to be talking to us about Black mental health and everything on the Black mind. Um, So without further ado, um, Gary, if you would like to introduce yourself, you can go ahead and do so. Sure. So, well, firstly, thank you for the invitation. My name is Gary Paul. I'm a... um, psychotherapist at the African Diaspora Mental Health Association. I'm also the administrative director there. And um, I I do multiple things, but typically my role um, there is just to engage the community as well as deliver a service. And um, the service that we deliver is obviously therapy to people of color and all people, but we, we like to target um, our own people because we believe they have a special need. Good evening um, and um, thank you for having us. Uh, my name is David Lewis. I'm the I'm a psychotherapist and the clinical director at the African Diaspora Mental Health Association. And um, we um, provide outpatient, we're a full outpatient mental health clinic in the, the only black owned um, uh, outpatient mental health clinic in Western Massachusetts. Uh, full outpatient, um, we um, service uh, our clients are from ages of uh, from five to 105. <laughs> so um, we cover all the full gambit uh, groups. We have groups, uh, family therapy, individual therapy, <clears throat> couples therapy, um, and uh, in groups, like I said before. So uh, again, thank you for having us. Don't forget the gun violence space, which is. Uh, yes, and we're um, um, right now, we're um, doing a gun violence program to help um, deal with the scourge of our community of, uh, the gun, of gun violence. If you guys didn't get that, they, are the owners of this um, clinic. I don't think that they stress that enough, but I just get so excited and so happy when I'm talking to them because as we all know, black therapists are not hard, are are hard to come by and they are um, changing the stigma of mental health and they are helping our community by offering a whole clinic for it. So I'll pass it to you, Rihanna. Um, With you both being psychotherapists for um, mainly a black community, what would you say is the hardest part of your job or your profession? So Dave, if you don't mind, I'll start. No. So, So I, you know, so really the hardest part from my perspective is, um, dealing with other community partners from my perspective. So, you know, um, our community, they've engaged and they have really, um, they've embraced this. But I think that there is an issue with our community partners where we're an all black agency with definitely a black name, the African Diaspora Mental Health Association. So dealing, having to to educate people on what that means, especially our white counterparts, because I think because of the the implicit bias that exists um, in themselves, sometimes conscious, sometimes unconscious, I think they feel threatened. So just let them know that we're here to serve our community. We're not here to, to harm our community or anybody else in our community. I think that that's a big part of what we do. And I think all the pieces that we do, um, they, they're complex, but because of racism, structural racism, et cetera, et cetera, I think for me, that's the most complex piece of the work that we deal with. 
Absolutely. And, um, and, you know, dispelling the stigma of mental health in our community. Um, because we look at, we look at things from a systemic uh, view. And, you know, we haven't been uh, successful experientially with the different systems, uh, the educational system, uh, the judicial system. Uh, uh, so, you know, the healthcare system. And so, uh, you know, when folks, uh, you know, we believe, so, so culturally, we think that uh, mental health is a white person's thing. <laughs> and you understand. Um, and that's just because we don't understand the definition of, of mental health, of what it is and how we're all affected in one way or another uh, by mental health. And mental health isn't a negative thing. Mental health, because it's positive mental health. It's um, so, um, you know, with that, uh, let me just, you know, um, so, you know, mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. You know, it affects how we think, feel, and act. And it helps us to determine how to handle uh, stress and relate to others and make choices. You know, met our mental health is important at every stage of life, from childhood and adolescence all the way through adulthood. So, you know, our mental health is how we, how we handle, how we manage, how we manage stress, how we relate to others and how we make, make our choices. And so that's, that encompasses everyone, you know? And so positive man mental health is being able to manage these things um, correctly and effectively. So with that being said, what are some of the things that you guys relate to your clients about um, being black and our mental health and some of the reasons why um, we behave the way we do. So, um, so the first thing um, is to, you know, is to engage our clients as advocates, right? So, um, you know, depending on who you are and where you come from, and the level of indoctrination that we have from our, our, our white um, partners you know, that is a bitter pill to swallow, right? Because we don't see Africans in the positive light that, that, um, we, should, that, that we should be seeing. And so, you know, we, we um, firstly tackle the language, right? So some people, they, um, they present as African-Americans, some people present as Jamaicans, some people present as, um, you know, uh, Caribbean, um, Afro-Caribbean, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we try to challenge those ideas that, that we're neither, neither of those and, and that we're African. So we, use, we try to use some language that will bring people on board. So um, Brianna, I know earlier you said that you was from um, Jamaica, right? Or your family's from Jamaica. Yeah, and so my family's from Jamaica, but if we change some of the language, um, you know, so some people, I refer to Jamaica or the islands, Caribbean islands, as the carry us and beyond, right? Mm -hmm. Carry us and beyond, right? Because that's where, that's really what they did, right? And so if we think about the UK, where I was born and raised, the language that I prefer to use is the UKKK. Right, <laughs> and then if we think about the United States of America, the language that I like to um, use is the United Snakes of America. So, so you know, this is real language that generates conversation because people get curious and they want to they want to know um, well why why are you saying these things? So you know, psychoeducation is the key to just about everything. Teaching people who we are and we don't start our journey at the um, at um, slavery, right? We start our journey pre-slavery. So we talk about places like Kush and Kemet, which is the first place on civilization, right? Where people were black, where people had systems of functioning. And the reason why we do this is because it brings people, it raises their self-esteem right? And it, it also gives them an understanding 
of exactly what's happened to us. Why do we present the way we present today? I'll probably touch more on that a bit later on, but I will um, share, uh, I mean, I'm sure Dave has some stuff to share also. Uh, no, actually, you, you know, you hit it and we we're gonna touch upon that uh, later on. But um, so the, re you know, the main reasons for starting off that way and, and doing the psychoeducation is because, um, and, uh, you know the trauma that we've we've experienced here in uh, in America hasn't been um, hasn't been dealt with, and so the uh, maladaptive behaviors that's that's um, common in our in our culture, the um, uh, drug addiction, drug abuse, uh, domestic violence, uh, gun violence, uh, um, you know all these things are directly related to the trauma that we experienced that hasn't been dealt with. And so, you know, um, you know, educating our folks to let them know that our story doesn't begin in slavery. You understand is, is, is major because, you know, they stripped us of our, of who we are, uh, you know, of our language, they stripped us of our, uh, of our culture. And so we had to um, create a culture <laughs> that they even try to infiltrate now. <laughs> You know, so so this is it's very important. It's, very, it's important to validate our, you know, because that's a part of us validating our clients and letting them know that you know, um, you know, I understand where you know where you're at. I understand what you're going through. You understand I um, and and you know, um, your feelings, your anxiety, your your depression, uh, the things that are causing those things. We get. You know, a lot of that, you know, that our clients, our clients, you know, they choose the stigma is big because they, they like, like I said before, where they look at um, mental health from a systemic point of view, white systemic point of view. And so um, when we, uh, um, you know, try to get them to, um, when we validate, uh, what I was going to say was when they go to our white counterparts, our white counterparts don't understand what it's like to, um, you know, to be black in America. Doesn't know what it's like mm -hmm. to be followed when we go into a store. Doesn't know what it's like uh, to, to be anxious about uh, waking up and uh, having to go out these doors and whether or not I'm going to make it back home. They don't have to deal with, uh, they don't understand that. And so they, you know, so we get, we get misdiagnosed a lot. You understand? And so um, another thing is with, uh, and I'm going <laughs> to let you go with this, but another thing is, a lot of clients don't even know what they're diagnosed with. <clears throat> Some don't even know why they're taking the medication that they're taking. You understand? Yeah. So it's so the importance of having someone that looks like you and you being comfortable with 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 um with talking to them is so is is now you can tell your whole truth because they they don't tell their whole truth to their white counterparts because of the repercussions and the response that they get. So let me let me just add to that. So when we spoke earlier about the language, so you know if we language is so important, right? So if we when we um, use the word education, we talk about application, right? And you know and really bringing people into who we are. Um, and then Dave, you know Dave spoke about um, diagnoses, right? We have, you know, we have. Um, so many people of color that's diagnosed with schizophrenic disorders and um, paranoid disorders, right? And they're neither schizophrenic nor paranoid. But when you sit down with a white person and you begin to, to tell your truth as a person of color about being followed, being harassed, um, you know, constantly, they cannot understand that. They truly, I believe, believe that we are fabricating, our, our, our people are fabricating this. And then they start going down this pigeonhole of schizophrenia, et cetera, et cetera. And if therapy is relational, and we know it is, then it must be impossible to sit down and do therapy with your oppressor. That's absolutely impossible, right? So, so you know, you know, hence the need for our type of organization.
because there is no way we're going to tell the, the slave master, our oppression, that we dislike them. Um, you know, and so we, we exist in this, in this um, kind of, um, I'm, I'm lost for words, but like a dual world. What's the word I'm looking for? Paradigm might be a good one. Paradigm, but, but, but we exist in this dual world and, and we live a life of code switching. You're, I'm sure you're all familiar yeah. with code switching, right? We live a life of code switching and that in itself has a negative effect on your mental health. And if you can't be honest, and we can't, right? If you can't tell the truth at work, and we can't, then we have to be slaves, right? Because only slaves, you know, can't tell the truth and can't be honest. So, you know, these are real issues that we talk about in therapy that begin to, to honestly, um, mitigate some of those feelings because we're able to give them the reasons why this is happening and they're, they're seeing things in a different light. And that's the thing about trauma, uh, uh, unchecked trauma or repressed trauma is um, it's gonna come out by another one of my mantras is pressure bust pipes. And so it's going, it's going to affect us in some way. And so why you, why you look at um, certain people certain way, why you feel certain ways about certain subject matters or, or, or certain people. There's, you know, because, because of um, there's some trauma that you've repressed because it's, it's, it's traumatizing. So you wanna, you put it, you, you, instead of dealing with it, you repress it, you press it down and kind of, you think you forgot about it. But what happens is that it causes you to, um, it causes, causes you to act out in different ways. So why am I always angry? You understand? There's a reason behind that. Why do I treat? Why do I look at my sisters like I like look like I look at them? You understand? Why do I? Um, why do I feel like this about men? You understand? Um, it's because there's there's some stuff that that we've repressed, and if we don't deal with it, it's going to come out in a maladaptive way. And so, in terms of PTSS, there are certain behaviors that we have that we don't know where it came from. And a lot of it was, 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 um, was, was, brought, was um, passed down to us. You understand through our, through our family because they didn't know. Can you, um, David, can you explain what PTSS is? Post-traumatic slave syndrome. And uh, that's, Gary was going to um, speak upon that. Um, uh, so I'll acquiesce to Gary for that. So that so everybody and their mother and grandfather, they they we've heard time and time again about post-traumatic stress disorder, correct? Right. And so one of the examples that 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 um, I like to give um, to show you, you know, the difference. So and this is not to negate anybody's experience but it's to really highlight the difference. So when we speak about, um, let's say for an, an example, um, sexual trauma, right? Where, you know, a could be a young lady, a, a you know, a young man that's, that has been sexually molested, right? And they, they're traumatized, right? And, and we know this, and we begin to give them services. Or when we speak about, we all hear about our veterans that are returning and everybody says they, they, they're traumatized. And literally the entire country throws these services at veterans and rightfully so, right? Because they're traumatized, but they do it in a particular way, right? They provide them services um, beyond belief. They even give them housing et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and pay for their college. Um, you know, if there's any issues around jail or prison, they run these diversionary programs because they're veterans and there's a recognition of trauma. Now, these are typically events, singular, or if we talk about veterans, this may be a nine month, an 18 month, 
um, deployment to another country, right? So now we, if we understand this exists, now we have to understand the trauma of 500 years of slavery, right? And more, right? So you have 500 years of slavery when, where our women are raped at will, right? Our children and babies are raped at will. Um, one of the things that they used to do was they would take a male, oftentimes the strongest male, right? And they would mount this male on a horse and they would bring out the entire plantation, which should be renamed concentration camps. But <laughs> they would bring out the entire plantation and they would mount this, this strong black male on a horse and they would straddle him to two horses, right? And they would beat the horses or the, well, and the horses would take up and the entire plantation would watch this man be ripped apart, right? Now that, and what, what I just said wasn't made up, that's real, right? So that type of psychological trauma is what we refer to as post-traumatic slave syndrome. And that's just one example. Um, post-traumatic slave syndrome, you know, also occurs with the policing that goes on today, or the school to prison pipeline, or going to work and being subjected to systemic and structural racism, or on the college campuses when, when you know, you face, um, you know, whatever negative things that they're tagging and putting around, you know, or just the way we're responded to by teachers. All of these are, are post-traumatic slave syndrome issues. And the, it has left us in a way that just about everything we do today is, is maladaptive, right? So I could go on and on and on, but what I would encourage people to do is to look at Dr. Joy DeGuerre, um, and if I probably um, look for the spelling, but Dr. Joyce DeGuerre, she has a book called um, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Um, most of our therapists that start with us, we ask them to purchase and read the book, certainly our interns, um, so they have an understanding of, of what PTSS looks like because we've gone through an entire um, educational system. So. I think if you have a master's degree, what's that, 16 years of education? If you have a doctorate degree, that's 20. But you never learn anything about self, mm -hmm. right? All we're learning is what the system is teaching us. And that's also, you know, PTSS, all attributes to PTSS. And the last thing I'm going to say is that we have what we call genetic memories. So every child that is born that's an African, right? And I've already given you the definition. Actually, let me give you a further definition. We understand that if you're Latin, you're an African. You're simply an African that was dropped off to another eye, okay? So I wanted to make sure that, that our African brothers and sisters that are Latino understand that we're talking to them also. Anyone with melanin in their skin right. originated in Africa. So, so, um, so I think that's a good example of PTSS. Um, and I could, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but I think that considering the time, you know, that's a good example of PTSS. We've got some other questions to get to. I think you guys did a really good job explaining a lot of concepts in that one question. And honestly, it was a, it was a eye opener, not to say that you threw so much new information at me because I feel like all Black people sort of have the understanding that we are working in a system and everything that is placed in front of us is to keep us in that mindset. But the way you guys explained it really, it just made it even more real. <laughs> and yeah, I, I just really like the way that you guys put that. Mr. Deputation of Mental Health. Let, let me just add one more thing. I started to go down that road and I did. So I spoke about being that we're born with genetic memory. Yeah. Right? So, so, you know, that trauma is transferred from womb to child, 
right? Mm. But what's not spoken about is the, the um, genetic memory that's being transferred from a black male or a black female to their child, mm. okay? And, they, and so we, we are living in this realm and they're living in this realm and they perpetuate that trauma. Sometimes I like I I'm, I'm hearing like these ideas again from you guys, but it's like Brianna said, like it's just it puts a name or it puts it puts uh, an idea to the things that you observe or to things that you think or experience. So it's just like wow, like it's amusing. <laughs> yeah, because you don't know, you don't understand that what you're dealing with is trauma. If, you, if it's not labeled, you know, cause we've been, we've been coping. We've been getting through, we've been making it. You understand while still handing down, you know, the same uh, uh, thought processes and same behaviors handing it down to our children. With that being said about um, post-traumatic slave syndrome and like the impacts that it has on the black community, um, how do either of you guys, um, or both of you guys, think that that impacts the, like the dynamics between um, black black women and men, and also like the just the general relationship dynamics in terms of family, um, community, things like that? So, could you deeper into that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, Gary. Um, talked about some of the, the atrocities that we experienced in slavery and um, the, you know, the dismantling of the, um, of the black family um, because if, you know, the family is the, is the, is the core you know, and, and the center. And so by you know, um, removing the black male out the house, by uh, separating um, the children the way you can't hear oh you cut out a little bit okay by 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 um taking the man out of the house by separating the the um families from the children uh our relationships how we how we treat how we treat our women you understand how women look at look at men you understand all those things are you know directly related to um, uh, those past traumas, you know, um, they've broke up the family. They used so the men were were used as uh, you know we call them bucks, and so they were just used for breeding. You know what I mean? Um, and then uh, being you know going through the um, uh, dehumanization as a male, you know. Uh, so some of those, the way, so again, some of those, a lot of those things have translated um, today and how we, how we treat each other, how we look at each other. That's a good point. That is a really strong point. Um, I guess kind of going off of that, like, actually, before I continue, um, Gary, do you have anything to add to that point? So I would just add that if we all think about the messaging that we receive from our parents and, you know, and so when we talk about intergenerational trauma, there's intergenerational messages, right? They don't just appear from anywhere. So, you know, we oftentimes, you know, you'll, you'll hear things like, uh, you know, that quote unquote ain't blank, blank, blank. I don't swear, so I'm not going to swear now, right? But I think <laughs> everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? And, and you'll hear men say, you know, real negative things about females. Well, where does that come from? Why is that so prevalent today? Why would our mothers and our fathers teach us all these negative messages about Black men and Black women, right? Well, the reason why they do that is because they are repeating the messages that's come down from the, the plantation, right? And it continues to exist today. So, you know, so black men, they don't even find our women beautiful. Well, sorry, let me strike that because that's not fair. There is an issue with black men 
not finding beautiful black women and young women beautiful, right? And so they they are being um, they they they're drawn to that European look. That is, you know, that's an issue in relationships, right? Um, you know, we're not teaching our women how beautiful they are, but equally our women are disrespecting our black men, right? And they 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 have a lot of negative messages about black men, and I think the key to this is both sets of people receiving the education. So they both come to the understanding together that, that, you know, we can't disrespect each other. And when we do that, you know, that message has come down through indoctrination and that self-hate comes down through indoctrination. I think you, that was a great point that you made because here on our, um, we go to UMass and the black community is super small and it's just not united. And there's been multiple talks of, about quote unquote black love. And a lot of times, and this is just in general, but a lot of times um, it turns into a like black women are the problem or black men are the problem. And uh, we recently attended one, maybe like in February, Black History Month. And they were just going back and forth about who's the problem. And then someone also like talked about, oh, dating outside of the black race and all this stuff. And I left that conversation super frustrated. And I was talking to Brianna and Maharo and I'm like, Anna Jaya, I was like, you know, there's always these conversations, but like, when is, when are we gonna start talking about a solution? you're not the problem and, and, and the men are not the problem. You know, the problem is um, the lens that we're using to look at each other. We, we're looking at each other through a European lens. You understand? We're looking at, a, looking at each other through, uh, not through uh, uh, um, a proper education of proper cultural education. You understand? We have to, as my partner's always saying, we've got to get the white man out the room. Because even though we're all here and we're all people of color, doesn't mean that he's not in here because he's in here. You know, so we, if we can get him out, right? Now we can, have a, uh, we can have a good conversation. Now, you know, now I'm not looking at you like you're the problem. You know, now I can start looking at some solutions. Now I can start, you know, getting past that trauma. Uh, Gary talked, uh, uh, talked about it earlier. And, and, you know, we're, we're answering the question of where it comes from. And so, you know, that's, that's directly from slavery, you know, it's where the fair, where the fair skin, uh, where that, that master done, master done raped um, um, one of the sisters and then had a, a, a baby and put that light skin baby in the, in the, uh, in, in the house and treat her or him better than they treat the, you know, uh, because you're dark skin, you're ugly because your hair is nappy, you're ugly. And that's the, that's the, the um, what's been taught to us, what's been expressed. And we've even become uh, uh, guilty of that. that. That's been, we've owned that. We, we have to own that as well, you know what I mean? Because we took that, you know, and, and we're starting to, and we wanna, um, now, you know, it's a thing of, we wanna, of, of thinking that white is right. And so in order to be, in order to be successful, or you know um, anything that's positive, um, it's white, and that's not, and that's why we go, um, you know, we, we don't start at point of contact. We go, uh, we don't start at slavery. We go, we start back before slavery, where we we were kings. We were, you know, we were queens. We were royalty. You understand? And um, uh, so we have to start, you know, so we start there, so that they have a a better understanding of who they are, you know. And then it's not about, uh, and, and we can't continue to perpetuate the divisiveness. That's there. When, as soon as you said that, um, you guys started blaming each other, the men blaming the women, the women blaming the men. That's exactly what they, what they, um, what's been um, indoctrinated, how we've been indoctrinated and conditioned to do. So, so, I, so I do a lot of the, the, um, the couples therapy. So I, I wanted to, bring that in as a, um, 
an answer to your question, um, Demaya, about the solution, right? So when I do couples therapy, I'm, I'm um, really um, giving couples uh, of color therapy. And so the, the number one issue within, with, that's going on in the family is the lack of respect that they mm -hmm. all show each other. So, I, you know, so when, again, we talk about the psychoeducation, I focus on the deconstruction of the black family to educate them, to show them how they actually arrived at this situation in the first place. And, and that is huge for them because then they begin to see this for what it is and the outcomes have been good. So I just wanted to, so, so on a campus, that in my mind would be a solution. If you're gonna bring, you know, have this conversation amongst young men and young women you need to incorporate the deconstruction of the black family so they can actually see and understand what's going on. Yeah, to that point, um, David, you were saying uh, something about, you know, black, well, both of you really were speaking on the idea of white being right and black men and black women not seeing each other as beautiful. And I definitely see, I can personally relate to that in terms of just my own family dynamic a lot of the examples of um, these tr traumas that we've kind of passed down from our ancestors and all of that has been really prevalent for me growing up. Me and my siblings, my mom has a big family. She has a lot of kids. And so we all came out different shades. My mom, she's on the darker skin side, um, darker side of my dad, he's pretty light skin. And so um, me and my siblings were kind of split, you know, there was light, there was dark, some in between. And me and my sisters, we were, we're sort of in the same age group and we had like pairs growing up. And I noticed that I would get a different treatment from her because she's dark skinned. And so when we were always putting together, it's like I was always getting praised for simple things. You know, uh, my dad's side of the family, they were always into being lighter skinned, bleaching this, not going in the sun, wearing long sleeves in the summertime. And it was crazy to me, but it put a strain on me and my sister's relationship because at the time we were young, I, I saw people giving me compliments as a good thing. I didn't see it as, why are you pinning me against my sister? You know, I didn't see it that way because I had, I just assumed that they had the best intentions for why they would be giving me praise. But when I started to see the strain on our relationship, I didn't know where to turn to. Like what was, I didn't, I didn't know what the explanation for it was until we grew up. And then I realized it's because they don't view that, they don't view that as, you know, beautiful they don't view as nice I never had an issue with it you know I never thought my sister was ugly I never thought she was too dark I never thought any of that but because it was just pushed on me you're naturally better you're naturally better and I didn't know why I just I didn't question it um and so when we got older and I realized you know it's these 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 thoughts that they had this mental I don't know understanding that they have about color and what's beautiful it was so messed up that I just had to separate myself from it completely to the point where I didn't even want compliments from them if it was related to anything on that on that spectrum. Um, and then in, in some uh, second point that you guys are making in terms of like relationships, um, growing up with both of my parents, I was lucky enough to grow up with both of my parents, but I also got to see a lot of the issues between the relationship of black people being on one side hearing hearing you know negatives from one parent and then going to the next and hearing negatives from the next and not really having a representation of what black love is. I feel like that made it really hard for me to see how I could even accomplish it myself being an adult because I never had a good example of it in my mm -hmm. entire family. So I just think that the unlearning process, the process of unlearning all of these things and getting to the root of the issue, it really is crucial because up until starting college, you know, I can honestly say that I never even, I, I didn't know how it would happen. You know, I didn't know how I would be able to navigate finding black love without an example, without any of that. And so now knowing, okay, this is an issue that's bigger than me. It's not just, oh, my parents are messed up and that's the, you know, and that's it. That won't be me. It's really, it really is a generational thing that is just naturally passed down. And if I don't check my own habits and the things that I'm taking from my household, it could easily be my reality as well. So I just think that what you guys, it really did resonate with me and it's just, it's very current, you know, it's right in front of you and the little things that happen that you never really question, the more you hear about it, 
the harder it is to ignore. So I wanted to ask, how is it that you guys are able to engage people in these conversations? Because sort of rewiring someone's head, it's not easy to let them see, you know, this is the problem. It's not easy to convince someone that their view of Black beauty and why they don't find Black women attractive is because of sleep. You know, it's not easy to engage them in those conversations. So how do you do it? The therapeutic relationship. Without that, Mm -hmm. without the therapeutic relationship, there can't be any, there can't be any um, counseling. Uh, And so the therapeutic relationship Mm -hmm. is the, is the relationship between uh, therapists and client. And so we have to, you know, the first thing that's helpful is that we look like them. You understand? Uh, The second thing is to now begin to have these conversations create a safe space and a place of comfortability. You understand? Um, and so when you when we do that, now we're able to have those those conversations because it's it's now, especially for us as, as a culture, we look at things, we, you know, when we accept when we accept um, uh, therapists or you know our, our therapists, our clinician, for, we we they become family to us. You understand? So we, so myself and Gear, we 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 become part of a this whole family. We call Adma our family anyway. So we become our, with our clients. We become a part of that family. You understand? And so then you know they're able to um, uh, uh, to to receive as well as um, um, uh, uh, receive. They're they're able to receive and able to to be uh, open and honest. Uh, with with us and so that's the most important part to be able to do that let, but, let me let me add to that just just so you know what's interesting for those if whoever's listening right if you have ever engaged in therapy um it's unlikely that you'll ever hear a white therapist tell his or her client right that i love you right We tell our clients, we love you. We tell them this because it's a message that is not heard too much in black families, again, because of slavery, right? Um, You know, many people that I speak to don't, you know, they, their parents didn't tell them they loved them. They just worked and provided and gave them lots of beatings, right? which again is directly related to slavery. Absolutely. Right? Mm. So, so you, know, um, you know, showing love, showing love is, is, is the key, okay? And Dave spoke about engaging um, in the therapeutic process, but, you know, I want to throw out another term. You know, um, we, you know we, we, everybody in the world right now is talking about the, what's the virus? The um, Corona. coronavirus. Yeah. Black people need to be concerned with the colonial virus. That is what we're suffering from. <laughs> we're suffering from the colonial virus. And the only way that we're going to beat that virus is self-love and education. Um, you know, and so I wanted to throw that term out because it's truly, you know, if, if, um, PTSS is true, and it is, right, then it makes sense that we would be suffering from a colonial virus, right? So I wanted to introduce that term. That was a, um, that was a great point, Gary. I also wanted to go back to what you just said about telling your clients that you love them and putting that value in them. I think that's value, like that's really interesting and important. And I wanted to ask, how would you how would you encourage um, black people, people of color to engage in mental health conversations like amongst their family, friends, community? Um, obviously your foundation that you guys created does a lot of work with that. Let's say to the broader audience, nationally, globally, how would you engage or how would you encourage them to start that conversation, let's say with their parents, with their siblings? So, so I, I, you know, there's a reason why we, we try to encourage our, our therapists to, um, to read 
um, PTSS by Dr. Dr. Joe Geary, because, um, you know, that is a way to, to begin the, the, um, the dialogue around what's really happening in Black families. But education is, you know, that, that's the key, just, just being in a space to, to, um, to talk about these issues and, and have the whole family sit down with these issues. You just have to start, you know? And you, know, and you can reach out to people that can help facilitate the conversations. Um, but but it's a must. It's an absolute must um, that it occur. Um, when Dave and I, Dave and I, we do um, a training on implicit and explicit bias. And one of the things that we do is we show like a four minute video. Um, Demai, I don't know if you've ever seen it. If you've ever yeah, seen I've it. seen it. Uh, you know, so that that video is. It's mind blowing because it gives you literally the entire history of African people in five minutes um, from slavery, not um, prior to slavery. So, you know, just showing things like that and, and having in homes, what we would call it is like an emotional emancipation circle, right? Where you know where people are able to sit down and emancipate themselves from from real issues, right? From going to work or going to school or just being stopped by the police, and come home and sit down and talk solely about the issue of race and racism. It's not happening in our families. We're all being attacked, but nobody's talking about it. The only time they talk about it is when there's a, a George Floyd and we can go on and on and on, but the George Floyds are occurring every single day, right? So, so you know, you just need to find the space to talk about it literally daily in your family, because if you don't, it's going to take residence in your body in a negative way. It's going to be stress and stress causes cancers. And I could, I could just continue to go down that road. So it's incumbent on people of color to have this conversation. And one of the things that we do um, here is we, we look at um, mental health from a holistic point of view, um, uh, from the health piece, uh, hence our collaboration with uh, Demaya's father and, and his business, his restaurant. Um, and we and let's, let's name it, Dave. Let's name the rest uh, of the, the Garden of Eden. Right. Yeah, definitely. And um, when we're dealing with individuals, we we don't just deal with that individual. We include the families. So Gary will be working with a couple, right? And either I or some of the other or a therapist are working with the kids. If they got two or three kids, we got a therapist on one or two of them. You understand? We got a clinician working with the with the mother, clinician working with the father, clinicians working with the children, and then Gary sees them together. So we, you know, we have to we have to approach this thing from a family. Like I told you before, um, the family is the core. Continue to have that conversation. You understand, and continue to be open minded about it, and understanding of of an understanding of what's going on, of, of an understanding of the. The, the issue of PTSS and that, you know, our folks, our, our, you know, our brothers and sisters, um, their, you know, their behavior is because they don't know. So we got, and so in order to change that behavior, we have to change the mindset. So don't stop having those conversations. Create, if you can, if you, you know, you're on campus and stuff, create a forum for uh, myself and Gary to come down and, and, and let's, let's, let's deal with that. You understand? Let's continue this conversation because I know we're not, we, you know, <laughs> we, we, there's not a whole lot of time to put it all, to, to talk about it all, you know, and to deal with it all. So we, you know, I know we're going to have to come back on another, <laughs> on another date, you know what I mean? And uh, for this podcast, but creating, you guys keep doing this great work and, and, and listen, and keep talking about black love because black love exists. <laughs> Two perfect examples sitting right in front of us. 
they believe in black love they exhibit black love every day and I see Brianna shaking her head like smiling all this stuff and like I'm smiling too because I've heard you guys speak about this but it's just so refreshing I don't know it's just so refreshing to hear people older than us be so blunt about it I feel like a lot of times uh the three of us are made to seem as if our ideas are so radical and like as as if like we're always saying something so crazy but like this is the reason why I had to bring you guys on the show because you guys like you truly have the right idea and it's really important for people to start thinking about it and looking at it looking at life this way so thank you for all of that um speaking about our community we want to talk about yourselves now so in on this journey what are some of your proudest moments david talk about the thing you were telling me about the other day i don't know what that is the license the class oh <laughs> so i told um I told them, um, Gary, about us um, taking the uh, uh, the, cast, the class and um, getting licensed as a sexual sex therapist. Uh, out of um, I'm not sure the the um, the number. Uh, the, I believe it's 100, maybe 120, Gary, in the uh, in the country um, of sexual therapists. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, between three countries, Canada, Mexico, and the United States. And, uh, there, and of that, there's not a lot of uh, us, <laughs> you know, uh, people of, uh, of, of Black people. Um, and so, um, um, you know, that's one of the things that we're, that we're doing, getting licensed in that, myself and Gary, so that we can begin to um, talk to uh, our folks about, um, about sexuality. Because a lot of stuff is taboo, you know. We don't talk about, uh, you know, if it, you know, if it wasn't for YouTube and social media, a lot of folks wouldn't even know about, <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't know about sexuality. You understand? Because it's, you know, not it's not common for us to talk about it in our, uh, you know, in our as a culture. You know, you do have those unicorns. You do have some people that do deal with that, but for a great majority, you know, it's taboo. Um, and, um, and so, uh, and, you know, and that again, <laughs> has its root uh, in uh, PTSS, the trauma that we, that we uh, experienced in slavery, like the raping of our, not just raping of our women, but even the raping of our men. And children. And children, you know? So, you know, and, there, and there's things again, that um, we perpetuated uh, for a long time, what goes on in this house stays in this house. Mm. Um, that that's hurt. That's hurt us as a culture because there's been trauma in the house. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave, um, go ahead, Dave. I, I, yeah, no, no. So uh, those are some of the things that you know that that we're doing. Uh, we're also um, soon as COVID is over, uh, looking at opening up another clinic, another site. Um, and, um, you know, we're just, uh, trying to do, uh, uh, the best that we can in, uh, providing these services, uh, mental health services, um, to this community. I just wanted to add that, that, you know, um, firstly, you know, how did we even begin this, this, this journey, right? In terms of, um, of, um, the, the, the sexual the sex um, therapist and um, licensed sex therapist piece. Um, we received an email one day out of blue, out of the blue, where it was a, 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 the only sex therapy organization or clinic that teaches it reached out to us because they wanted us to teach their therapists about issues of race. And, um, and they wanted to pay us a lot of money. But because of our love for the community, we said, we'll do it free, but you need to get us licensed for free. So we, and, and, and that license now allows us to give the services Dave indicated to our people, because I can, you know, 
it, it, the trauma in our families as it relates to sex is untold. It's, you know, it, it will bring you and reduce you to tears. And as Dave um, alluded to, this is all translated back from, from, from slavery. Um, so, you know, they, the, the difference with us though is we will incorporate the issue of slavery in this behavior where of course, you know, that's not gonna happen with the white therapist because when we have these conversations, the conversation is not to harm, it's to, to give people an understanding of their behavior and to remove the shame and the stigma so they can get the help that they need. And so, so you know, this is a wonderful opportunity to be quite frank for people in the Springfield and the surrounding area you know, because we're doing the work now. So. And promoting Black love. Mm -hmm. Ah, so refreshing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we have any more questions. I think you guys did a really, 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 really good job at flowing all of that information together and giving a full picture of what it is you do and what it is that you care about and the goals you have for our communities. And so I really appreciate that. And I really do hope that, you know, your clinic expands because it is something that Black people need. Like, it is really something Black people need. And I would be excited to see it happen, at least, you know, while I'm here. So, uh, Mahara, Demai, do you guys have any last questions? I don't have any last questions, but I just wanted to comment um, because I heard uh, David talk about the uh, therapist, the therapist-client relationship and the way that goes and I just wanted to comment on like how sometimes I see you guys working on my dad <laughs> because I'm just like little does he know he has his own two therapists right here because <laughs> I think you guys do a really great job of like giving him a safe space and like you know also letting him know you know, where he may have gone wrong and all the stuff like a therapist should do. So I can only imagine how much success you guys are um, getting with your with your clients in your office. So I just want to say I appreciate you guys for that. Yeah. We, we appreciate that. And I don't think we, we gave your dad enough credit, Neva, because um, food is one of the, the biggest tools <laughs> that the slave used. Our food has been totally weaponized. Do you right? guys hear that? Weaponized. Weaponized. Just totally, totally weaponized. <laughs> and so, you know, and it's killing us. Blood pressure, diabetes, heart attacks, and I can go on and on and on. And so, you know, if you want to know what people of color, what Africans are doing, then you have to look at their product. And, and so your dad is one of the few businesses in the area that really has a product that's serving people of color. So that is how pertinent his business is. And, and you know, we are proud to be working alongside of him because, you know, as Dave mentioned, the holistic approach is huge, you know, giving or helping somebody with their mental health whilst they kill themselves physically is no good. Absolutely. And that, and our stressors are different than our white counterparts. And our stressors are related to just those things that Gary was just talking about. High blood pressure, diabetes, cancer, you know what I mean? And a lot of that stuff, if not all of it, comes is you know directly is directly related to our diet to what we eat what we lovingly call soul food is killing us i honestly agree with that i think a, a big issue that i even have with educating my family about why it is that i switched my diet it's the traditions that they already have growing up with caribbean parents they're stuck it's just their tradition you know they don't want to feel like they're giving up their culture by you know, understanding why it is that this food was not good for them to begin with. And so I can see why that's 
such a big struggle, but it's so important because it's like the number one thing, like especially in my family, disease is, you can see it on both sides. You can see diabetes on one side, cancer on the next side. It's all there right in front of you. And the, the common denominator is what we eat, you know, because we grew up, my dad, he grew up in Jamaica. He's for the most part, he doesn't eat um, chicken. He eats fish, but he doesn't eat like chicken, red meat, all that stuff. And my mom's side of the family, they grew up on heavy meats, like stew peas and curry goat and oxtail and all of that stuff. And you see the help, like their help is directly correlated to their patterns of eating. And when you try to point that out, it's almost like an insult to their culture, you know, cause it's like, we're from the islands, we get our food fresh. And so you don't want to step over people's toes cause as younger, like me being a younger person, I'm clearly trying to educate myself on this. But when you try to come at it, you know, to someone older, it just, you don't want to step on someone's toes and be like, I know more than you or, you know, it's just, you want to help, but it's really hard to get over that hump of like, you have to get rid of this idea that these things are what, are what make you who you are, you know? But that's part of PTSS and you have to, that's why you have to, that, the education is key. Cause you think about, it, they gave us the worst. They, they didn't give us nothing. We had to <laughs> get the scraps. And so think about it. And I didn't just think about it till you just started, till you said it. I used to love, I love, I used to love oxtails. Tear some oxtails up. <laughs> <laughs> but think about it. Think about it. They master ate the, the good part of the ox and just threw the tails out. Right? Wow. And so what we did, was say, well, hold on, let me cut this thing up, put some seasoning in it, make a little stew. All right, <laughs> we, we can survive another day. You understand? But we're here now, all right? It got us through. We're here now, so we don't need to eat like that. We, we can, let's, Let's educate ourselves. Let's talk about it. Let's, you know, when we get when you get the education of why you do what you do, why you why you eat what you eat, you know, it now you can begin to break down those walls. Because yeah, some of us are some folks is just, you know, they 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 they've they've connected it with their culture. You know, so you tell someone, you tell you you tell someone that they get um eating um some macaroni and cheese, some collard greens some, some uh, uh, you know, uh, pig feet and, and I, <laughs> tell them that they're eating wrong and they'll want to fight you. You understand? And, and, their, and their thought process is, this is, this is soul food. This is, this is our, this is our cuisine. You understand? And, you know, white folks just say, yeah, y'all keep eating that because it's killing you. Yeah, it's, it's a plate of that is yeah. really what it is. So changing our mindset, changing our thought process. Before there's any movement, there's a thought process. Our thoughts and our and our emotions are connected to each other. So if you could, excuse me, you could change how you're thinking, you can change how you feel. <laughs> Can't say any better. You understand? So if you have this understanding, then you can look at things. You can look at your brother and your sister differently with this understanding that. They don't even know. It ain't them. They don't, they don't, they just don't know. And so it's our job to educate. We, we have to, we have to educate and create forms like this. Also having the mindset that not, not being frustrated at the fact that they don't know because it was purposely put in order so that they wouldn't know, you know, like everything was set up so that we were left in the dark. And so when you're finally in a position where you can teach, it becomes frustrating and you have to be put in a, you have to like, you can't fault someone for not understanding. You know, it's like, you have to just keep pursuit, uh, persevering with knowing that it's gonna come hard. Like it's not gonna come easy to certain people. You fight in the system. You fight in the system. Sis, you, listen, <laughs> this, is the, this is the most woke we've ever been in America, right? In these United States, right? <laughs> we got the Black Lives Matter thing, we got we got allies now. We got white folks that's that's that's, that's understanding and, and 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 empathizing rather. They still haven't changed the educational system. The school to prison pipeline is 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 alive. It's thriving. You understand? That's why education is key. 
you know it's key and 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 you and, and and don't get frustrated because you're fighting against the system and so it's each one teach one that's that's how we got to do it uh, one at one one sister one brother at a time one family at a time one community at a time and we can do it Thank you. That was a really good um, closing point. We want to thank you guys again so much for um, coming on, sharing your knowledge. And personally, I really appreciated the depth that you um, went into, like the depth that was into each point you made and the range of topics that you covered and connected them all so closely. And the reference to history, I really think that was valuable. I think our audience will find it valuable as well. So we just wanna thank you again so much for coming on. Um, if you would like to repeat um, the business that you have to our audience, um, if they wanna like learn more or if they're in the local area and wanna connect with you guys, you guys can do that now. Well, it's the African Diaspora Mental Health Association, 605 State Street, Springfield, Massachusetts, 01109. The telephone number is 413-266-2207. And our comprehensive website is www.admha.org. So thank you so much, David and Gary. You guys heard how to contact them and get in touch with their services. Um, thank you so much again for listening to this episode. Um, make sure to listen to our past couple episodes of this brand new season. Um, tune into our social media posts and look out for our next content and posts on Instagram. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Thank you.